Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Mike here from Rusty Quill, or as some of you may know me, the voice of Tim from the Magnus Archives. I'm just taking a moment to invite you to join me and Rusty Quill on another 12-hour holiday gaming live stream in aid of Mind, the mental health charity. We'll be streaming video games and board games live via Twitch.tv, and this year we'll be doing it in front of a live studio audience. That's right, for one day only you can come and join us in person for the chaos. We're recording at the Theatre Deli's old library space in London on December 8th, 2018, between 10am and 10pm GMT, and tickets are available right now. So if you want to come and meet the Rusty Quill team and see all the exclusive off-camera goodness, be sure to visit rustyquill.ticketbud.com forward slash rqgg18 and grab yourself a ticket. All proceeds go to charity, but don't hang around because there is limited availability. And for everyone who isn't able to make it in person, don't fret. You can still join us digitally. Just jump in online at www.twitch.tv forward slash rusty underscore quill on December 8th, 2018, between 10am and 10pm GMT, and we'll be there playing games and encouraging you to donate money to this worthy cause. 
That's all for now. For more information, visit RustyQuill.com or get the latest updates via our Twitter at The Rusty Quill or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash The Rusty Quill. Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Poison Taster, Sydney Trap, Mackay, Ari Lovett, Lauren Prince, Lex, Andrew Nort, Ms. Specific, Silas Hjelmstad, Kai Letts. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Hello and welcome to the Magnus Archive Season 3 Q&A Special. Uh, I'm Alex Newell, Director, and with me I've got... Uh, Johnny Sims, I am the writer and I play the archivist. Yeah, so uh, we are going to be going through all of your questions. We are going to be doing our best to answer them. I'm excited. But I do have a few caveats before we start. I'm Uh, less excited. We got a lot of questions! Like a lot of questions! Yeah, Alex has a literal pile of paper in front of him. A lot of them sort of doubled up. So whilst we will be doing our best to make sure that everyone's sort of credited with their questions, I will be cutting through some of the wording to get to the sort of the the, the crux of it as quick as we can. Yeah, to get, thanks for that, to get through as quickly as we can and make sure that we do get to everyone. So here's our first question. Tim Not Sasha on the Discord asks, how do you plot both in a single episode and the meta plot. What they're getting at is you use a lot of detail notes or is it a more vague notion? Everyone knows now that you know we have a plan till season five, but do we have a ring binder with 50,000 pages of, of notes yeah, on? I, um, in the meta, the meta plot is actually planned in a lot more detail uh, than any individual episode. Generally, mm-hmm. right at the start of the season, me and Alex will sit down and we'll really hash out exactly what is going to happen, what the beats are. Within a given episode... I generally, I have a vague idea of what's going to happen and then I'll be going away and just sort of percolating, I guess. Mm-hmm. And sometime in the week beforehand, I'll be like, oh, this will happen in the episode. Because I really enjoy our season plans where we know all of the like character arcs and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But sometimes there will be just an episode that says, you know, spooky computer. Yeah. And that's just our placeholder because we know what it's about. Yeah, no, no, and then, and then um, at some point I'll go very quiet uh, and someone will go, Johnny, are you all right? And I'll be like, yes, I know where the spooky computer goes. <laughs> I know what it links to. And they'll say, eat your pasta, Johnny. Yeah, it, it, I have been around those conversations before. Okay, a follow-up. Both Sazandorable via Discord and Neurosock via Reddit ask, how far in advance we plan the characters' individual arcs? We have answered this before, so we'll get through it quickly, but they're mostly interested in... Martin having a crush, uh, did we always know Tim's backstory, and did we know that Basira was going to join the team full-time? In order, right from the beginning. Yep. About two seasons ahead? Yeah, I'd say that there was there was some vagueness, but we, we yeah. basically and had it. And very soon after she was introduced. Yes. Um, we know in pretty good detail what a character's uh, arc within the season is going to be, because that's one of the big things that is laid out in the initial season discussion. Um, and we have a good sense of what the, the the skeleton, the structure of the overall thing is going to be. But a lot of those skeletons are built up with pleasant surprises. And for instance, Basira and uh, to a certain degree Daisy becoming mm. uh, quite as significant as they were uh, is largely because the characters and Faye and Frank are amazing. Mm. Um, and the actors are 
really came through and we were like, we want to do more with these characters. The Flesh Hive, good name, in Reddit asks, how did you arrive at the idea of 13 fears specifically? And with the tag on, how long have you been planning this again as a... Um, the fears, right from the beginning, that was very much um, the beginning, like the building like block. Day of one the, pitch. Yeah, day one pitch for the world uh, was the fears. Um, I then went and did a lot of thinking. I looked through long lists of common phobias. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I have read and encountered an awful lot of uh, horror stories anyway and started sort of dividing them up and just thinking more about like how different scary things feel in terms of the sort of fear they generate. Um, and originally, the hunt and the slaughter were kind of the same in my mind, but the, the more... Um, I started thinking about it and we started planning it properly, the clearer it became that those were actually two quite distinct um, Well, I'd say things. with them as well, it's one of the few ones where character fed back into lore. Very much so. Where it became apparent that you had two radically different types of character that yeah, were at first it was, not going to gel. Yeah, at first it was, oh, fear of violence, uh, nice and simple. But actually, the more uh, we did writing and planning around it, the clearer it became that, well, actually, there's two yeah. There's two very clear strands here. Got a question from uh, Mealybit on Reddit. Sure. Has anything changed drastically from what we'd originally planned? Yes and no. Grand scale, I don't think anything's changed drastically. I, no, I don't think But so. that's largely because the structure we built, aside from one or two very key points that have remained the same, the structure we built was flexible enough yeah. that even though stuff has changed wildly from what we sort of assumed it was going to be, it still managed to fit very comfortably on the same structure. So this is from Penelope Twite from Reddit and Mika Kaditz from Facebook. Cool. How do you balance doling out the information for the long-term plot versus the statement of the week stuff? And more specifically, how confident were we before starting that we'd be able to sustain the podcast long enough to actually finish a meta plot if we got it started? Um, In terms of... Uh, confidence in sustaining it, very confident because I 100% pitched this to Alex as five seasons. It, d- it did help. We knew what, like, short of horrible illnesses or something that yeah. no one can predict, like, we've already locked yeah. everything down. I mean, fundamentally, if if Rusty Quill had completely collapsed, if Alex and me had both died in fiery explosions... Separate fiery explosions, Separate fiery least. explosions. Um, though I like to think at the same time. Oh, definitely. Um, if, that, if anything like that had happened, obviously the podcast would have stopped but you know you can never plan for that sort of thing but in terms of foreseeables we knew we were going to go the distance we started it with the aim of doing uh five seasons with a strong ending so got a question here from carnation lily to rose from Mm -hmm. reddit were we always planning on having episode 120 be elias reading the statement or is that entirely because he got a uh, huge fan base oh god oh god (laughs) elias's voice why does everyone want to no it's it's fine that's uh uh, it had always been the plan. Yeah. Um, right from season... Th- I think it was only about... It was only after 92 when he started to be properly, overtly villainous. Well, that's the thing. That everyone everyone decided how sexy he was. <laughs> um, so when we were planning that out, there was no way for us to foresee how sexy Elias would probably be. <laughs> Something I blame entirely upon Ben. So this is from... I want to say Fix Kutten. I do not know how to pronounce that if I read it. In terms of writing them, not their themes, do you have a favourite power amongst the 14? Uh, the flesh. Uh, for, for the most favourite. I 
really enjoy writing the flesh because it allows me to be super weird. Uh, I can do lots of grotesque body horror. And I do actually feel quite proud of the justification um, behind why the flesh is so weird. Least favourite? Least favourite, probably... Actually, probably the dark, just because I find it draws me into tropes and cliches more than I'm entirely comfortable with. It's really, really tricky. um, Because the dark is such a well-explored fear Mm. that... And also one that I don't have myself quite as strongly like most of the ones i really enjoy writing are the ones where i'm kind of scared of it myself Mm. so i can really figure out what it is that gets to me and hone in on it and there isn't as much of that in the dark Mm. so i find myself having to um lean a lot more on historical stuff for instance or like it's a lot harder to find the interesting uh bit of writing a dark Mm. story Certainly for me, I have a, a nice simple one for a least favourite, at least, which is the spiral. Because the spiral's <laughs> always a nightmare I to edit. I love the spiral. And it has stage directions like everything goes wrong. I that's, love the spiral. That's a stage I can direction. Be, I can, I can everything just, goes wrong. I can write whatever I like. It's, it doesn't have to make sense. It's Alex nonsense. has to make it it's sense. It's nonsense. Right. Going more spirals. Going more specific, Sentient8 from Reddit asks, what episodes are you most proud of? Um... A few, but I thought I, for some reason the one that sticks in my mind is actually Tale of a Field Hospital. There's nothing specific about that episode that I'm super proud of, but I really like the narrator and how I got to write him. Uh, I was really proud of finding the book, A Tale of a Field Hospital, because so little of it had to be changed to make it nicely creepy, and it just dovetailed so well into um, everything else. Also, it's one of the ones that I've been able to dive into the history in more than just a sort of uh, set dressing sort of way. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's anything that's a punch to the gut. I, I enjoy killing characters that people love. Um, maybe the replacement of Sasha by not Sasha was a nice one because enough people didn't notice it. Yeah, I was always surprised. I mean, I guess because, you know, it, it's hard not to notice piling four duvets on top of uh, Lottie <laughs> and just having her uh, scream so that uh, it didn't alert the neighbours at midnight. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Circus Mask via Reddit. Are there any episodes that you weren't happy with in terms of writing or story? I mean, yes, but I'm 100% not going to tell anyone which ones they were because then they'll never be able to listen to them without being like, yeah, I see it. I will, however, say that it definitely won't be the ones you're thinking of. So follow up from uh, Fuxkutten or FXKTN. I still don't know which which pronunciation via Reddit, uh, which has been the hardest episode to write and why. Um, I would say that that would be number 95, Absent Without Leave, and I have no idea why. I actually, yeah, I remember we did write I have no with idea that why that one was so hard for me to write. Like, it wasn't emotionally, it wasn't mentally, I knew what was going to happen. It just was one of those ones where I was sat at the computer and every word felt like pulling out a tooth. It, it was the first case of block I think I've ever really yeah. seen come up in um, years. So, yeah, um, that was the hardest. Zero idea why. Uh, Humid Nebula via Reddit. What is one aspect, event, or nuance that you regret putting out? I mean, names. I'm really bad with all of the names. I'm so bad with name hygiene. No, I'll tell you what it is. It is naming the main character after myself. It is not bothering when Alex went, hey, rather than making this an anthology series with you as the host, why don't we make it a long-form metaplot thing uh, where it's the archivist is the main character? And I said, yes rather than, yes, in which case we better not have my name being the name of the main character. In fact, I believe I remember this conversation being, are you sure you want your name to be the main character? And you were like, 
yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Like, what yeah. what difference is it going to make? Uh, from PCI underscore compliance via Reddit, how do you write groups of episodes where the same events are viewed from different standpoints? Uh, I generally uh, figure out the core of what that setting or event is. Like, I know the deal with the Daedalus space station. I know the deal with Hilltop yeah. Road. Then I will write a story within that. And then when it comes to writing the next one, I'll think, well, what aspects of this haven't I covered yet? And then I will usually have a read or a listen through the last one to make sure that I'm getting all the details linked up right. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I threw myself that little hook when we did the first episode. I'll take that and I'll wind it into this other episode and gradually just build up the whole picture. And I remember we did bake into Daedalus. We were like, yeah. we will return to this. Yeah. Let's leave this for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. We, we, we were like we three, and then we were like, okay, and then, yeah, we can have one in season three, one in season four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of linked adverse inference via Reddit. Do you feel like you still have plenty of ideas for statements? Or is there any media you consume to stay inspired? The media I consume to stay inspired is generally anyone I talk to. Uh, because any time they mention anything that could be in any way construed spookily, I will ask them to stop, and then I will write it down uh, on a tablet or a bit of paper or the back of my hand, uh, and I will add it to my extremely long list of potential spooky episode ideas. I enjoy playing the what-if subject but spooky game, yeah. oh, where you'll great. say 50 as a joke and then one of them he'll go, oh, actually. Yeah, no, I can, I can do something like that. <laughs> um, also, uh, in terms of media I consume to stay inspired, uh, basically anything but horror. Not Knack via Reddit. Which came first, the archivist and his journey or the Magnus Archives world? Exactly the same time. Uh, they, were, they were built up pretty much parallel. I'd agree with that. Scottums, again, via Reddit. Um, there seems to be very little swearing. Is that a conscious decision or did it happen to work out that way? Why don't you answer that one, Johnny? Um, so episode 14, piecemeal. Uh, the original cut of that, I, I remember I turned up to record that one and I started reading it out and about a paragraph in, uh, Alex said, stop, there's, there's, there's lots of swearing in this one. And I said, yes, he's, uh, he's, he's <laughs> quite a sweary man, is, uh, is, is this narrator. Didn't I then say, no, he's not? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then Alex uh, explained very, very gently to me uh, about what the explicit tag was on iTunes uh, and why it was a good idea if we could skirt around it. And I said, what about all the gore and the grotesque body horror? And Alex said, that'll be fine. And I said, what about the, the, the sexual stuff? I mean, we've already recorded episode six and that was some pretty horrific sexual horror. And he said, that'll be fine. And I said, is it literally just the swearing? And Alex said, yes. Turns out the US market, especially for podcasts, has some very... Very specific preferences, shall we say. Yeah. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to market, sell, and just generally make things for the US audience. He does let me swear, swear but I generally need to convince him uh, in any given case. So next question is from Cuckoo for Poco Cuffs. Oh, I got it out. Well uh, that's via Reddit. Burke County got a reference near the end of episode 58, Trail Rations. They were very happy by that. Yes. Uh, is there any method that you use to choosing locations mentioned in the show? Right. What I will do... Uh, is I will figure out the rough geographical area, like the, the country or the sort of the area of the US, uh, if it's um, set there. And then I will go to Google Maps <laughs> and I will zoom in to a level that I think people will find creepy if they're there <laughs> and it gets referenced. And they'll be like, why has he referenced this place specifically? And 
there's no particular reason, but I I really like being super specific deliberately to just slightly worry people. <laughs> Question from Dudling via Reddit. Do you listen to music when writing? Do you have any songs that you use to get into the feel of particular powers? Um, I do listen to music, uh, but not specific stuff. That uh, There are various sort of playlists of dark ambient uh, sort of things that I will have on in the background. Or I actually find, if I'm finding an episode particularly difficult, just like intense rain soundtrack. Heavier than would be relaxing... <laughs> Uh, so it feels oppressive. Bit of pathetic fallacy. For yeah, me. no, absolutely. I mean, I, I basically, in my mind, everything's significantly more dramatic if I imagine it happening when it's raining very heavily. I mean, presumably, before every writing session, you start with something like, they called me mad, and then begin writing or something. Yes, obviously. So this one's a tough one. This is from Confectionery via Reddit. Right, right, right. What are Johnny and Alex's values when it comes to horror? Ooh. As in, what should right. well-written horror fiction accomplish other than scaring people, obviously? To me, there are almost two sorts of horror. There's what I think of as uh, escapist horror mm -hmm. and what I think of as literary horror. Escapist horror is its very practical in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, it is uh, a way of catharsis uh it's a way of uh indulging in fear and uh spooking yourself out in a controlled safe way allowing you to safely indulge in, in those uh, slightly darker uh emotions and feelings which is one of the reasons that for magnus uh i think it's so important to take certain uh certain boundaries and treat certain subjects with a lot of respect and sensitivity um, because one of the key things here is you need to be able to trust that you can enjoy the horror. Um, you need to be able to trust the the writing and the performance that it's not going to suddenly cross lines and what has previously been a, a very pleasing, spooky catharsis suddenly becomes uh, incredibly upsetting. Mm. And of course, I think there is the other sort of horror, uh, and obviously it's not... It's not a binary here. It's very much... Um, it's more of a spectrum. It's very much on a, on a spectrum. Uh, but what I think of more as literary horror, which is using the mechanisms of horror, the mechanisms of um, being spooky, being scary, to actually examine uh, and come to terms with darker subject matter. Literary horror is just as thoughtful about how it engages with that sort of thing. And to be honest, I don't write literary horror. I don't really feel like I have any place writing literary horror. Most of the most of the subjects that it tackles and that it deals with well are things that I have no real experience of mm. uh, and that I would not be coming from a place where I'd feel comfortable exploring it because it's, it's, they're often not my stories to explore. Mm. Mine is going to be a lot more specific, but I think a lot less profound let's say um i yeah. think that in all fiction you should avoid i'm gonna have to expand on this you should avoid being intellectually lazy and yeah. i think with horror more than any other genre 
uh, and more than any other type of fiction, you must not be intellectually lazy. Now, to be perfectly clear, I'm not talking about, you know, using big long words or writing it in a weird way that no one's ever seen. When I'm talking about intellectually lazy, I'm talking about knowing that there's a better way of doing something and then taking the shortcut. It's stuff like, for horror, it's very easy to spot the uh, the shortcut because what someone will do is they will write a taboo and then look at the taboo and go, I broke a taboo, horror. And it's not. It is a shortcut because you aren't putting the work in to really engage with stuff and try and pick out the bits that are interesting. You are just taking something wholesale and slapping it out there. And that, the horror, bizarrely, is the thing that encourages people to take those shortcuts most. Yeah. Um, especially things like body horror, actually. That's the one yeah. where most often, yeah, you're heading into like horrible, like torture porn kind of subgenres and stuff. And actually, it doesn't need to be that. And it's just about putting the work in and not just taking the quick, easy, low-hanging fruit every time. Yeah. When we talk about being intellectually lazy, we 100% are not talking about being original. Uh, no, because, no, 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 no. Uh, weirdly, horror is actually one of the genres where I feel like you thinking about it in terms of originality is actually missing a lot of the point. There's only so many spooky things yeah. that you can write. It's all to do with the rhythm and the pacing and making sure that you're getting the, the right beats in the right place to evoke the the emotions the, the same way that, you know, you need to uh, evoke the right notes from an instrument. Um, Asterix, how are the editors doing right now? It must be hard having had all, with all the recent stuff, they're fine. They've been having some lovely weeks. They're off. safe and alive. <laughs> do not look for them. How do we get in the zone of giving the exact emotion needed for a piece, especially in recent episodes? I'm going to give the the unsexy, uncreative answer here, which is, honestly, 90% of the decisions are based entirely on logistics. It is, I mean, obviously there, there are creative decisions in terms of like, you know, oh, the buried should be bassy and, yeah. and uh, Nikola Orsinov, if anyone's listening out for it, has like the sound of like needle scratches on LPs and stuff. Ooh. But in a lot of it, a lot of the decisions are less about mood than about, okay, Johnny has requested thousands of people screaming and this and this and this and yeah. this. That's not going to be possible. Oh, it's so easy to write it in a script. So what I do is I write down what it is in order that I can get away with and then I'll actually experiment and uh, certainly when it comes to the soundscaping, this is true. For the music, I have to hand all credit to Brock. He's been doing a lot of the music this season and he's frankly better at it than I am. Uh, he's getting very, very good at replicating mood with music in a way yeah. that i'm less skilled at when it comes to the soundscaping side a lot of it is just you keep trying permutations until something works which means that i also have full soundscapes that we've never used because when you layered them up they didn't work yeah. sumo boomo via discord mm -hmm. how do we achieve the convincing sounds of violence so there are there are three tips that i yes. will give i'm not yes. going to go into the specifics of it it will take hours uh, tip number one Get your performers to physically act out stuff in the studio. I don't mean fully, but generally speaking, not what on I do, each other, but on themselves. I get them to hold their um, sort of shoulders, hold their own shoulders. Alex, and their Alex what are you doing? There you go. So effectively, everyone holds their own shirts and then you sort of wiggle. That's the best yeah. way I can describe Wiggle in the correct Literally, way. Literally, right now, what I'm doing is just holding my lapels. Oh, and I mean, bumping the table. Because <laughs> uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't a controlled or safe way to do it. Don't 
Don't follow in our footsteps, kids. So step two, once you've done that, is you want to find all of the correct sound effects. Do not pick sound effects that are accurate. Pick sound effects that sound right. Melons are your friends. Melons punch well, they smash well, they grind well, they're great. And the last step is, when it comes to things, layer it up. Too many people spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours trying to get the perfect foley, you know, hitting a melon in 50 different ways to find the right one. Nine times out of ten, just layer three different sounds together and you will get it sounding right. As the sort of bonus tip for everyone, bass. If you want something to sound heavy and to sound like it hurt, use more bass, less treble. Okay, which was our favourite episode or scene to record this season? I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to answer you, Alex, but... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that was a fun episode where Johnny... You produce a ridiculous amount of saliva. Johnny was was right right to believe that the only way he could possibly record being bound and gagged is doing entire recording. You, you literally just shove as much of your fist into your mouth as you can and then try to speak. <laughs> and it, it's it's not a pleasant thing to do, but it, it there, there, there's a certain... <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. Um, I'd say probably my favourite... From this season, I did actually enjoy bizarrely recording with Lowry for Martin's uh, oh. interview in episode 100. To cl- be clear, 100 is actually my least favourite oh, yeah, to no, record. I'm, I'm, but, I, I'm very sorry but, about that. I mean, I, no, I'm not. I, I thought it came out very well. But that specific scene was just me and Lowry getting into a room. I'm an improviser. She was an improviser. We just hit record, did it, and then stopped and yep. just tried to make each other corpse. So that was actually quite yeah. pleasant. But with the exception of that scene, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Okay, from Steve Bread via Reddit. All of the statements in 100, are they or are they not truly supernatural? Yes, uh, they fall 100% under the standard rule. You will only hear recordings about statements that are legitimately supernatural because otherwise it's not fair to all the Red String Brigade. Correct. Okay, the dialogue was largely improvised. What was the process behind that? How much freedom did the actors have? Well, uh, okay, so what I did was I wrote about a paragraph uh, that was what had actually happened. Then I wrote a bunch of bullet points about the character giving the statement uh, about what they might get sidetracked on, what their sort of particular, what the bits that they couldn't get past were, uh, and just generally how they were a nightmare to try and get a statement out of. And then I let them go. And then once we got that, I sat down with the actors, discussed it briefly, (laughs) and then unfortunately, because of the nature of the show, it's very difficult to improvise well to it. So what ended up happening is we would do a recording, we would then stop, evaluate, do a recording again, stop, evaluate, do a recording again. For some of them, we went as far as like eight repeated recordings. Normally with improv, you just run the thing and let it go, but because Magnus is very specific and it's very easy to go off on a tangent when you're improvising and say something that's non-canonical or couldn't work so what it's more like is we'd get the first two minutes and be like that's a nice two minutes and then we'd we'd focus on the next two minutes that's another nice two minutes and keep doing that but yeah that was that was a strange one yeah i I think it came out very well but it's not a method that i would want to use again uh, certainly not for this show what made us decide on a more light-hearted episode it's episode 100 isn't it (laughs) i mean it's what you do like episode 100 has got to be a change of pace uh and it's got to be nicely self-referential uh it's got to be just a a little bit of a victory lap because you've made it to 100 episodes we did discuss it well in advance as well what we wanted 100 yeah and to and to be fair um when we were planning season three we were like oh this is a really good way to answer everyone who's like 
Ah, oh, I mean, does the magic... Everyone's very eloquent. Yeah, does the magic power also make them really eloquent storytellers? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> okay, next question is from Carnation Lily to Rose. Yep. I read it. Um, for 119, that had to have been brutal with your parents berating your alter ego so. Was it difficult to hear your parents reading those lines at you? Not even a little bit. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was uh, really I've, funny. I've, I've got uh, like I've got a weird but a very good relationship with my parents. Like by this point in season three, like right at the beginning of season one, there were like quite a lot of elements of the archivist that I saw within myself, and like he was a little bit of a fictionalized version of me for like maybe the first twenty episodes. But as soon as plot actually starts happening, he very quickly went on a like. Went on a, a strong right angle character wise. I'd say you're less of a hot garbage fire of a. Oh person. yeah, no, I'm. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to think my decisions are less overtly horrific. <laughs> In many ways, it was quite cathartic for me uh, because it allowed me to uh, have these two authoritative figures within the universe just eviscerate the idiot that shares my name. <laughs> Apatharas via Reddit. Do you ever have any issues coming up with names to use in character statements? Rather yes. than, you know, reusing yes. everyone you know as Obviously a character. Obviously I do. Obviously I do. Why would you ask that question? I mean, he's going to have the name Alex in the Magnus Archives at any point. Just saying, not once. I'm saving it. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do when I finally <laughs> have an Alex. <laughs> Penultimate episode of season five when you can't cancel anything. <laughs> let's, let's address the elephant in the room. This has been asked by a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but yep. especially yep. Yep. Carnation Lolita Rose sure. and others. Is Tim actually dead dead or just mostly dead? He is dead. Tim is dead. So dead. However, uh, while we make a point not to bring people back from the dead in uh, Magnus, I know it sometimes feels like that, but we are very careful to never actually resurrect anyone. Yep. Uh, we're very happy to play fast and loose with what might have happened to somebody pre-death and we're not shy about having dead people talking in various ways we're very keen to keep death meaningful yeah uh and it's It's too important to horror exactly and so why obviously i mean gertrude's been dead the entire time uh (laughs) so we've heard plenty from her so i'm not gonna make any blanket statements that you'll never hear tim's voice again but timothy stoker is dead yes uh, Plunderduck and Liquid Mirrors via Discord and Reddit, respectively, ask, Elias, are we going to get more of him? Are we going to get more backstory of him? How did he turn from a pothead to a high priest of the Watcher? Uh, no, you're not. I mean, he's, he's in prison now, so uh, that's that's him done for the series. I don't I don't think we'll be seeing him really again. Really satisfying arc. Uh, yeah, like, I feel like he developed as a character and then we wrote him out elegantly. Although so, I think he, he overstayed his welcome from about oh, season I mean, two onwards. Yeah, really. yeah, realistically. Yes, obviously we will be diving more into what the deal is with Elias. <laughs> okay, Georgie by D. Astley. Will we hear more from Georgie and especially her anti-fear power? That's not the phrasing of the original question. Sure. I'm just passing. Um, yes, we will be hearing more from Georgie. 71 Penguins via Reddit asks, what about Agnes? What about Agnes? What a great question. <laughs> what about Agnes? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Is that your answer? Um, I mean, again, yes, we will be getting more from Agnes. From Cats Using Coconuts via Reddit. What about Michael? Is Michael just Helen now and that's the end of Michael? In the I mean in the same way that Tim is dead, Michael is Helen. 
Okay, uh, we got a lot of questions actually about this, so I've lumped lumped them sure. together. The the other institutions. Suite. Oh right, yes. So Mark Sutton via Facebook and others. The Usher Institute. What's the deal? What can you tell us about them? Is there a chance that we'll see their people in future episodes? Right. Um, the Usher Foundation uh, is the American sister institution to the Magnus Institute, and they are similar but different. They will almost certainly not appear in the main story in any significant way. From a writing point of view, I want the Magnus Archives to be a world as well as a story. And I'm always acutely aware that the more everything mentioned is super significant and everything mentioned ties into everything else, the more it becomes a lockdown story and the less it becomes an open world. So I'm always very keen to add in just... Little things that maybe we'll, you'll you'll never hear about again, but they uh, flesh give, it out. they fleshed out and they give jumping off points for a wider world that anyone wants to explore in. So this one's from Polyphonic via Discord. Sure, are the tapes or other recording devices that are able to hold statements purely neutral, or, or is there a capacity for an entity to maybe enlist them to their aid like they can with humans? They are not neutral. <laughs> Next question. Hobbs via Discord. In Mag 87, the Uncanny Valley, we learn that Gertrude yes. prevented the desolation's ritual. What are the deets? Uh, can we know what the ritual was, what it was called, what it might have looked like, etc., etc., etc.? 100% can know those things. <laughs> Next question. I, I mean, wait <laughs> is, is the answer to that. Okay, so historic references. Oh, okay. So from self-referential name via Reddit, Liquid Mirrors via Reddit, and others. As an example, we've got Wolfgang von Kempelen and Library of Alexandria and mm-hmm. so on and so on. Um, what other historical figures, organisations, and events are associated or puppeted by some power? Is there anything that you can go into? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, and the, like, the, the answer is yes, and I know one or two of them, but... If I already know them, it's because they're going to be coming up in a later story. Yeah, it's one of those um, where you can't actually say anything specific. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much that I'll be like, oh, maybe I should do something with sort of this historical event, or, or what's the deal with... Like, I mean, the whole Wolfgang von Kampelen thing came with me going like, oh, I haven't done much with Automata yet. Yeah. What's the deal with historical oh, automata? automata? And then I looked in and I was like, oh, cool. So, yeah, the Mechanical Turk, that's interesting. Oh, I can use that. And who was he put by Wolfgang von Kempelen? And then I read Kempelen's biography and I was like, Yeah. What? <laughs> That's proper spooky. What? <laughs> he made a speaking machine that just goes, Ah! <laughs> and, um, and like, it's so often that, like, if you actually just dive deep enough into a bit of history, you'll be like, That's weirdly spooky. <laughs> um, so the 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 short answer is yes, they'll they'll almost certainly have been quite a few, and I'll be diving into as many of them as I can find and have time for, uh, because honestly, the, a lot of that history stuff is it's certainly one of my favourite bits of the writing. From Marimo Discord, does the archivist taking on the persona of the people's statements revitalise him? Or does the archivist just have a secret pastime of putting on different personalities really well? Is he a, is John a secret impressionist? Um, we, uh, th- I mean, law-wise, the first one, yep. uh, though we came to the conclusion very early in recording season one that the archivist is secretly a bit of a drama queen. Yeah. Really likes, yeah. Uh, like, it, it, it's it's 90%. <laughs> A hostile, malevolent uh, alien force uh, taking him over. But I mean, fundamentally, he doesn't 
not like getting into a statement and uh, really <laughs> giving it a bit of the... Like, he probably did some Amdram. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was insufferable while he was doing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, this question's from Duck Pond via yes. Discord. Does Tim have any hobbies unrelated to revenge? Not anymore, no. Uh, no. Uh, Did Tim have any uh, hobbies unrelated to I revenge? I always thought of Tim as one of those people who, like, he's very social, uh, but uh, rather than having, like, a lot of hobbies in his downtime, he would go on um, big holidays, yeah. like adventure holidays. Yep, yep. Uh, like, he probably does, like, did did uh, some rock climbing. See, I always or... picture him kayaking. Yeah, kayaking. Yes, I always so. had him down as he doesn't do it all the time. No, but he he makes a point of his his main holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the year is always kayaking. I don't know why. I, I I think of it less specifically as kayaking. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna say no to like you know a bit of scuba <laughs> or uh, or that sort of thing. But uh, but yeah, like I think uh, for most of his his time he would uh, just general socializing, uh, relaxing. I think he probably. I think he probably played a reasonable amount of like console computer games. I um, I couldn't judge that maybe. one. Maybe he was too busy kayaking in my brain. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like active social uh, adventure Gregarious. holidays dead. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. So this next one's from Sazandorable via Discord. Sure. What cat is the inspiration for the admiral? What's their name, and how precious are they? Uh, okay, so. The Admiral is an amalgamation of all the cats in my life. I have a real fondness for uh, pets with, uh, like, appellations or ranks. What are the names uh, of your cats, John? Uh, I have two cats, one of which is Sir Pouncelot. Yes, that is the reference. Uh, and one of which is the Ambassador. Uh, <laughs> ambassador Cat. Uh, it should be noted that Cat is his name and he is an ambassador. Uh, he is not Ambassador Cat in the sense of, you know, ambassador to all cats. He is an ambassador, his name is Cat, and he happens to be a cat. From Seraphim, 755, I read it. How do you feel about fan-made podcasts riffing off the Magnus archives? For instance, a Red String podcast where fans discuss episodes and the connections between them, or a fan-based non-canonical podcast dealing with statements given to the Usher Foundation? Very flattered. Uh, probably a little bit too intimidated to actually listen. So now the boringy, businessy, not nice part hat on. The licensing is Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License, which means that anywhere in the world, mm -hmm. you can make derivative products as long as you do not claim that we gave permission, you do not make money off it, and um, you reference the original source material as much as possible, basically. I'd have to say that of the two, the Usher Foundation one carries a little more complications because of things to do like uh, like trademarking and branding and so on next questions from satanist goblin via reddit what is your favorite podcast not from rusty quill i binge podcasts uh mm. quite a lot so for me the answer is almost always going to be uh, different my my favorite favorite podcast at the moment and i'm very happy i can give them a shout out because they give gave us a really nice shout Aww. out on their last episode is apocrypals oh yeah um, you've mentioned them before i have uh it that they are uh, they're, they're sort of a secular bible studies podcast by two comic writers and it sounds really dry but it's incredibly interesting and really really funny uh because you know i i thought i knew the bible quite well turns out i basically didn't know it at all uh, <laughs> and it is really interesting and really weird uh, even from a like a non-religious point of view, just as like a foundational text as a, of a lot of society, it's fascinating, and they are very, very informative and very, very funny. So um, it's Benito Serino and Chris Sims, and they are 
awesome. I think they're probably listening, so <laughs> go, guys! Um, aside from that, uh, Pseudopod uh, is always oh, good. Yeah, Knife yeah. Point uh, Tara is always good. I'm, I've been going through the back catalogue of Shut Up and Sit Down recently oh, yeah. because I've, I'm, in a, I'm in a real board game phase at the moment. So from my perspective, I listen to a lot of audio drama. Shocker. Yep. I am often reticent to recommend audio drama, like pick favourites and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because... It's a it's it's a dangerous game because it makes people it makes it sound like you're saying some are better than others. That said, I would say I recently finished and really enjoyed Wolf Three Five Nine. Oh yeah, done. Wolf, Wolf is like great. as a personal taste thing, I enjoyed it. Had good fun with it. In terms of things that aren't audio drama, so I'm quite peculiar in that my my tastes outside of audio drama are really really generic. Like oh yeah, you're I, always recommending me. I, like, I, I like stuff you should know. Oh yeah, and uh, history of Rome, great podcast. To be fair, it's good for me because sometimes you'll be like, oh, here's a, an interesting episode on something that uh, could be very easily made spooky, and I'll listen to it and be like, yes, I can very easily make that spooky. So a nice, adorably naive question here from Liquid Mirrors via Reddit: If <laughs> Rusty Quill <laughs> as an organization served a power, which would it be? Uh, I think the web. Okay, I think I think that was fairly yeah. conclusive. I, I I couldn't disagree. Um, wicked. I think that's everything. Apart from thanks for listening, as always. Yeah, fa- thank you. Thanks for another um, season. I think this is probably going to be quite a chunky one. Almost um, certainly, we will have a reduced version coming out for public, so that no one has to listen to us ramble on for yep, ages. Yep, yep. But if you happen to enjoy us rambling on for ages, there will be a full Why? version of this on the Patreon. Uh, speaking of which, big thanks to all of our patrons who have basically been funding our way through this yeah this season would you. not have happened without you <laughs> no, it would season not. one and two we got by we sort of we shouldered a lot season yeah. three would not have happened categorically so thank you so much thanks to everyone who's been reviewing thanks to everyone who has been sharing it's weird to say but everyone in the fan community has been putting in so much work on our behalf yep. so thank you yep thanks to uh, an arrangement with third parties we're now available on spotify hey so i didn't easy. know that that's you, easy. you hadn't told me that i hadn't told you this is the first that you and basically everyone in the company knows Hooray! we uh, get to be making new shows as well which are going to be coming in the new year and again it's all thanks to everyone who's been you know leaving reviews and taking getting involved with a patron or just telling people what we do if you are wanting to engage with the fan community over the break uh, as as always we have the forums we have reddit we have um facebook we have twitter we are also running a discord which is specific to us so we have our own server if you go on to uh, rustyquill.com you will find links to all of the above thanks again to everyone we do really really appreciate it and we are looking forward to season four uh we will have trailers on the way as soon as we can get them out yes but uh thanks from me thanks from everyone involved and we hope you keep listening and hope you enjoy it and and most of all thanks to you oh yeah that's the that's all the these one. other losers <laughs> you This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, visit RustyQuill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at RustyQuill.com. Thanks for listening. Hold up, what was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.